Welcome to this podcast from the National Humanities Center. I'm Robert Newman, President and Director of the Center, and your host for this episode, which continues our conversation with Florence Doerr, Associate Professor in the Department of English and Comparative Literature at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Florence was a fellow at the Center in 2008-2009 and is returning this year as she continues her work exploring the relationship between popular music and literature. In October, she'll be joined by other scholars, critics, and musicians for a conference at the National Humanities Center entitled Novel Sounds, American Fiction in the Age of Rock and Roll. So, Florence, let's talk a little about how rock and roll becomes a way of studying culture, particularly through looking at race, class, or gender. Literary scholars in the past several decades have placed a lot of emphasis on these areas. Can we look at rock and roll the same way? It's a really great question. Leaving to the side the question about gender just for a moment, what I would say is that associating rock and roll with early black vernacular forms. It's not just black vernacular forms. It's also these ancient 14th century, you know, century ballads from England and Scotland. But by and large, rock and rollers take from black vernacular traditions. And so thinking about rock and roll in that way, um, I think helps us to understand literature as a version of this. So let me give you an example. Jonathan Lethem's book, Fortress of Solitude, he calls the main character Dylan a funky white boy geek, right? That's the nomenclature that the narrator uses. He talks about his funky white boy geekdom. And I think what Lethem consciously does in that novel is to associate important cultural and artistic expression of the present with black vernacular forms and with black forms just generally as a way to combat racism, as a way to combat the kind of apparently post-racial culture that the 21st century claims to be in lots of different uh, ways. So I think bringing rock and roll into the novel, at least for Lethem and for the 21st century authors that I study, is a way to kind of make race, the history of race, more visible and also to honor the contributions of undervalued black artists to cultural expression generally. Let's talk about gender. Yeah, so it's a little more abstract. Rock and roll has been historically kind of a male form. But, I don't know, I'm just thinking of Flannery O'Connor and Carson McCullers in the 1950s they both seem pretty comfortable with and kind of gleeful about making fun of gender stereotypes in their stories about music. And both actually, interestingly, in their novels and their novellas and their short stories, link ballads with mothers and balladeers with mothers. Because if the balladeer is the original artistic body, what they say is, well, the mother seems to be the kind of original body and so why don't we put those two things together, right, fict- figurally in their novels, both of them do this, and then make them technical. So I think they're really kind of making fun of biological categories in a way by doing this, by showing, yes, oh, here we have this ballad, The Ballad of the Sad Cafe is Carson McCullers' novella from 1951. Well, everything that looks like the body in that book is actually, turns out to be technical, a radio. And the main character is this 
crazily masculine Miss Amelia figure who, like in a weird construal of birth, creates a keychain out of her kidney stones. So it's like turning motherhood into craft in a kind of a way. Um, so there are just all kinds of ways that those two authors, those two female authors in the 1950s kind of reject this sense of them as nice Southern lady writers, but also link the idea of the ballad to the mother in a way that shows both of them to be not quite as natural as we might think. It's more explicit with the more, with the more recent work. Laurie Moore is really interested in rock and roll chicks with tattoos who have been on tour and are now still with their boyfriend and find him to be kind of a jerk. You know, this is one of her themes. But for for her women, they, for her women, rock and roll becomes a kind of touch point, or let's say for her women, rock and roll becomes a kind of uh, version of their genealogy, right? So for them, it's sort of, sort of a reclaiming of masculine forms. How about the transgendered issues that we see so much in uh, Prince and, and Prince and David Bowie and you know even Mick Jagger, a real sort of playfulness with, with gender stereotypes and and I would assume that gets translated in more recent fiction as well. Absolutely, I mean just to point out that in the at the conference we have just a bunch of really smart scholars who are going to talk about that exact thing. Gustavus Stadler. Ann Powers, who's a music critic and talks a lot about issues of gender and um, rock and roll. Eric Weisbart and Grail Marcus will be discussing the role of transgender and the way in which rock and roll has pressed boundaries of gender. So the, the 1950s women I'm talking about do this in Telegraph Avenue, which is 2012 novel by Michael Chabon. There is another link between mothers and rock and roll. The main character's wife is a midwife and the main character himself is a record nerd collector. So the two are compared actually. The metaphor in the novel is that the midwife helps bring humans into the world and guide them in this completely dizzying contemporary moment and the record collector does the same thing by kind of helping people hang on to things and collecting them and touching them. So those two things are compared so that giving birth or helping to give birth becomes a metaphor for record collecting in a crazy way in these novels. And that happens in Lethem. It happens in, I'm trying to think if it happens in the female novelists. Um, yeah, I would say so. In Dana Spiota's Eat the Document, uh, there's a mother figure. And actually a big part of her development is that she becomes a mother and she, she becomes generic by, she, she names herself after a Beach Boys song, Caroline, no, she changes her name to Caroline. And she actually says, being a mother makes me feel more generic and generic feels good because it's too scary to be specific. The world is so huge and, you know, multi-highways and I, I'm lost. I'm a speck of a human being, she says, but when I feel like I'm part of something broad or something generic, like a rock song, then I feel good. I feel safe. And she feels the same way when she becomes a mother because being a mother is also somewhat generic, right? It's a very common experience. So those two things are linked in their stories. So the Novel Sounds Conference, which is October 14th and October 15th at the National Humanities Center, let's talk a little bit about what is going to take place. 
uh, and what we hope to accomplish. So it's been very exciting working with you and putting this together. Um, We have Richard Thompson performing at Memorial Hall. And Richard Thompson, he's sort of, you might call him the British Bob Dylan. He's one of the founders of the British Folk Revival, as Dylan was one of the founders of the American Folk Revival. Um, So he'll come and perform, and he forms part of our keynote panel, which will include Jonathan Lethem and Grail Marcus as well. So that conversation should be really interesting. Uh, I think they'll both talk about how they understand rock and roll and literature to be overlapping. I don't think that Richard Thompson considers himself to be doing something countercultural or something, I should say, outside of important literary expression. And I know that Jonathan Lethem uh, grounds his work in forms like rock and roll. And who better to bring out the overlaps between those than, than cultural critic Grail Marcus, who's written a number of books about this topic. So that's the keynote. And then we just have a number of scholars coming to talk about ballad history, talking about the history of the ballad in relation to the establishment of rock and roll. We have an entire panel of people talking about technology and rock. We have a really interesting panel on race and rock, uh, where different people who've ta- who've made discoveries about how race has contributed to rock, you know, fantasies or, let's say, uh, the hope that rock and roll was part of, or the, the shall we say, the, the idea that rock and roll was part of civil rights, you know, contributing to civil rights. That's something that I know music scholars have, cultural critics have debated. They'll talk about that. We also have just a, a panel on the contemporary novel where leading scholar Nancy Armstrong at Duke and Kate Marshall from Notre Dame, uh, these are leading scholars in the contemporary novel trying to say what the contemporary novel does that's different from other novels. And a other, panel on HB2 and rock? And a, pan, a panel on HB2 and rock, yeah. So um, quite a few panels kind of coming at the relationship between literature and rock in different ways. Great. So Novel Sounds will be the conference October 14th and 15th at the National Humanities Center. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, and please join us again for another podcast from the National Humanities Center. Thank you so much, Florence. Thank you very much.